I think number one, acceptance is really important because if you're in that mindset of this sucks, why me? I don't, I don't see how you dig yourself out. So accepting that, you know, the situation that you're in is so important. And for me, it happened so quickly. And for me to be able to like two weeks later, go to 70.3 world championship, knowing that I was supposed to be racing. If I hadn't accepted what had happened, I don't think I would have gone and, that experience going and being in that atmosphere was so important part of my healing um so i'm very thankful that i went and that i was able to accept where i was at at that moment for a long time i was putting a timeline on me getting to worlds like i had honestly just gotten into the sport a couple of years ago and like right away, I was like, oh, you know, ego's getting all riled up. Like I'm going to Worlds, like I gotta make this happen. And I think for a long time I was so driven and overly pigeonhole vision on the goal that I was like trying to put a square peg into a round hole like over and over. And I just, I wasn't moving forward and I got sick. And I do think it was spiritual. It took me out of the sport for, almost eight months <laughs> and this is crazy to say but it was so good for me like I I feel like during that time I learned a lot about myself I learned more about my why and I really learned about like what hard was um it it sharpened my sword I'll say like I've now entered back in so grateful for my body and everything it's capable of. And I have just like a whole new driving force for my training. Like I, I'm just so excited to train, like that I can train. And I know that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I had this moment before I launched it where I was just, I could see myself. It was like I was sitting like on the ledge of life and I could have swung my feet around and got back on the other side of it and said, well, I'm just not going to do it because that feels safer and it feels like a lot less work. Or I could press my hands down and jump off the ledge and that's what I did. And that yoga adventure sold out in less than three weeks. And the thing that I love about the yoga adventure that really speaks to me is I just feel like it's me. Like I like playing in the world. I like doing adventurous things. I like racing. I like being competitive. Like the meditation has not washed that off of me. Uh, yeah, I like being competitive with myself, but that's not 100% true. I like being competitive with others. I really do. And uh, I'm going to own that. And the yoga adventure, I feel like, really will speak to an audience of people who maybe are just not ready or just aren't interested right now in like the yoga and the meditation retreats where there's a lot of silence. And although those are delicious too, like I love those just as much. So these yoga adventures are really adventure travel anchored in a daily yoga practice. And I just feel like that is it's such a great match for me. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess. I'm here with BJ. I'm here with Coach Melissa, and I'm here with Coach D. And we are here to uh, bring you a little roundtable, a little coach's corner, answering some questions, sharing our experience, which we hope you find to be wise and to be knowledgeable and something that you can put into action in your life to make your performance better, more flow, more joy in your execution of life and sport and everything that we endeavor in this ever-changing sea of life. So welcome, BJ. Ah, it's great to be back here with the coaches. And we were just having some laughs. Um, I hope this is a precursor to when Melissa actually arrives in California when we all can get together in person and laugh it up. Yeah, yeah. So local team in San Diego, Coach Melissa is going to be coming in from the East Coast and we are going to show her a good time uh, training here on the uh, on the West Coast or as they say, the best coast. Uh, okay. So Daniel, Melissa, hey, say hey. 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 <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah. We're so happy to have you guys here. We've just spent the last five minutes trying to figure out... Uh, the technology behind this podcast. And I always think that the ego knows that when we get together, there's going to be some good things talked about, some under the surface chatter, and uh, it doesn't like that. So it starts to interfere with the technology and gives us a hard time. It allowed us to get our belly laughs out of the way, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did have some belly laughs. Yes, the... Uh, yeah, it was a range. It was a range of topics within the last five minutes. So thank you, John, our producer, for bearing with all the chatter and the confusion at the beginning. But we're here now with you guys. And I want to start the show today with Melissa. Congratulations on racing Ironman 70.3 Happy Valley. It seems like it was a day, as you put in a text to us, all capitals. So what are some takeaways from yesterday? Tell us about the race. They did a great job with that course. It was obviously the first time that anyone had seen it. And it was awesome. Um, I went to school there and Bald Eagle State Park where they had the swim I've driven by it on the highway hundreds of times, but I've never like driven down into the park to see what the water looked like. And we were there the day before. It was gorgeous. Like it, it looked like the water, you know, when you're looking into a quarry and the water's that like bright blue, clear, like majestic color. It was like that. Um, and yeah, there was like no wind for the swim start. It wasn't as sunny as the day before, but I loved the swim. Um, the course itself was super challenging. I knew it was going to be, so I was ready for that. And I kept thinking because <laughs> there was one 2.8 mile, I don't know the vertical exactly, but it, it definitely was over a thousand feet of climbing like all at once. And I was thinking about how it's me training for when I come to visit you guys, because I don't have that stuff here. Like I have tons of like up, down pitches and I'm used to hills, but not climbing like that. So that was quite the experience. And then, um, yeah, super nostalgic for me. I went to school there. So running through campus where I used to run in college too. So I, I knew like what was ahead of me and I just had like a lot of m memories 
flood back to me. The run's always emotional. So yeah, it was just a really good experience. I enjoyed the course a lot. And they had the finish in Beaver Stadium, Iron Man, like on the big projector screen, running down the field through the finish. Yeah, it was it was spectacular. Is it a race is it a race you'd do again? Initial thoughts? Yeah, I would. If you asked me that during the run, I would say no, but I'm already, you know, it's been less than 24 hours and I'm already passed and ready to go. (laughs) I have a question um, and I'll throw this out to Melissa, but Daniel and BJ, if you guys have anything to throw in here, I mean, I think this is great learning for uh, our athletes and our audience that's listening. So you don't have those sustained climbs uh, where you live. So what's something what's something you could have done maybe better in your own training or something that you've learned that you'll apply for maybe your time out here in California where we have lots of sustained climbs. Um, Yeah. What could be something that you could do from an environment where you just don't have that? How can you mimic it? I have a lot of three, 400 feet climbs that I can just do over and over again. So my training for this well, one, I had Eagle Man three weeks ago, so and that was my A race, so I didn't get the hills in that I would have liked to. But if I were to do it again, further back in the season, I would do once a week, hill repeats, maybe like eight to ten of them up up this one grade. That's probably the biggest hill I know that's near me. Yeah. Daniel, what do you think? What's uh, I know you've guided athletes from flat roads to sustained climbs. What's a great way to do that when they don't live in those types of environments? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is the hill repeats, if there is some type of hill around them. Or also indoor trainer, just low cadence, just grinding um, to build that strength. So almost like a hill repeat, but just focus on that lower cadence. Um uh, what do we call them? Stomps, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the indoor trainer is so efficient with that cause it's a controlled environment. You don't have to worry about everything going on outside. So if it's hard to get to, um, a hill or you don't have the hills, that's definitely a good practice, um, to incorporate into the training. Yeah. I would also add, um, Another uh, specific session, which you can do on the trainer, which is any various format of uh, two-minute standing, like a big gear, low cadence, two-minute seated, big gear, low cadence, and then seated, high cadence, so you're spinning over. So you're really working the legs, you're dancing on the pedals, you're standing, which is something we don't normally do in a sustained climb, but you do when you reach the top to push yourself over and carry that momentum. But it's good to to get that practice in of standing up because it builds, uh, strengthens your core. And it also gives your uh, hamstrings and glutes a, a moment to rest because that grinding, as Melissa will find when she comes out here and climbs for over an hour with us on one climb, it's just sustained. It's like you're <laughs> see, and you're, you'll do anything to get out of the saddle. Um, but I think uh, what Daniel mentioned is great too. Um, and then use what you got. So Melissa has three to 400 foot climbs. Repeat, like that's what she has. Uh, for her to to wish for another place to uh, climb is not possible. So you make make the best you can with the situation that you have. Yeah. 
And Melissa, being a first year race, people who are considering it for next year, and Dee, I'm going to take this to you too about Massachusetts that you just did. Um, but first, Melissa, what what would you want athletes to know? Like, let's say you've got an athlete that's like, hey, I'm, I want to start training with you because I want to do this race next year. What's some of the things that maybe you've pulled out of it that you would share with them um, to help them prep for this race? This race had some tricky transitions. Not only were they not in the same transition area, so they were split up. So T1 was after the swim. So in the morning, a lot of people were shuttling from Beaver Stadium, where T2 was, to T1. And then we had everything like bagged up to pick up later after the swim. Um, so just being like comfortable with potentially some hiccups during the morning. Like there were, there's probably a 20 minute wait just to, just to park to get to the T1 area. Um, so as like things to, I don't know, just think about for a course like that would just be that there's going to be some extra navigation. And then the other part of it is it's definitely one of the more challenging courses. Like I, it's, there's plenty of first timers there. Like you can hundred percent do it as your first one. Um, but it's one that I would definitely be trained for. I know a lot of people who are first timers will choose flat courses because, um, if you don't necessarily have like all those months of training in, it's much easier to kind of skate by and just go slow and get it done. But when you have, you know, 3,500 feet of climbing on the bike, like you have to make sure that you're in shape because, um, I know there were some people walking portions of the course and as a first time experience, that may not be like a super enjoyable thing. Um, so yeah, just that the course is challenging. So be ready for that. And it's, it's a good one though. Yeah. This, uh, this idea of skating by, this has become a bit of a commonplace these days. I never heard of this, you know, 20 years ago, nobody was skating by. I'm just not a believer in not training. I just don't believe in that. And perhaps it's because I'm 51 and I understand how the body feels after 20 years of endurance sports or almost 20 years of endurance sports, but a lifetime of activity. Like, it's just like, you got to think beyond the race. Like, don't you want to feel good at 75? You know, we just had Erin Carson. We just launched it literally like a few hours ago. And um, she talks about like, you know, look at somebody who's like happy and feels good in their body in their 80s and 90s. Then you see somebody who made good decisions in their 50s. And I'm saying you can make good decisions in your 20s and your 30s. And skating by a, a half Ironman or a full Ironman is just something I, I don't believe in. I just don't believe in that. I've got, I'm, I'm taking issue with that. Okay. So moving on though, Daniel, what about Western Massachusetts? Congrats on your race. This is the first time that you've raced in quite a bit. And, um, how did it feel to come back? You had had an accident in the late fall that took you out of your early season races and training. And how did it feel to come back? Let's start with that. How did it feel come back to 70.3 distance and racing in community with your athletes and other Yogi triathlete athletes out there? Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to put into words how it felt. I mean, I'm just full of gratitude and I think it unfolded the way it was supposed to unfold because initially I was supposed to do Oceanside and then to be able to go back East, which 
other than Lake Placid, I've never raced back east. Be able to stay with one of my athletes and just like, just, I mean, it just felt so special to be there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to put into words. It, I mean, part of me was like, I just want this first one <laughs> over with because like <laughs> leading up to it was like, is it here yet? And then it was like, all of a sudden it's here and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's here already. But yeah, I mean, just gratitude and joy, I think is, is the best description of how I felt to be there. Um, and it was a, I love that, that race. I think it's probably definitely up in the 70.3s that I've done, probably definitely up in the top three. Um, so, um, the swim is down river. It's not a fast down river swim. And I think if I was, if I had athletes doing it, I would definitely, um, stress not to rely on the downstream because it's, it's really not strong. Um, and it's not going to give you that much of an advantage. So they really do need to still put in the work for the swim. Um, and then probably the biggest thing is just patience with transitions. They're very long. And then the morning walk, because since it is a downriver swim, you got to walk the 1.2 miles because there's no shuttle service to the start. Um, so just patience and just being in gratitude of that, you know, walking along the path, you're walking along basically the run course to get there. So it's like, I don't know, I just really enjoy these 1.2 miles walks in the morning, similar to Oregon. It's just like, yeah. Um, so just being patient with the transitions because they are long. Um, out of the swim to the bike is long. From the bike up to the road is long. When you get off the bike, back down to transition is long. <laughs> um, so just being patient with that and understanding that, you know, every setup's not going to be ideal and perfect and everybody has the same situation. So it's not like, you know, you're going to be losing time personally. It's, you know, it's affecting everybody. Um, so just think about the bigger picture, I guess, you know, when you, when you're dealing with those kind of transitions and then the bike, um, the bike's challenging. There's a lot of climbing. I think it's over 2000 feet of climbing. Um, most of it's rollers though. I thought it was beautiful. There's maybe two steeper sustained climbs, but other than that, um, it was pretty, it was a pretty fast course being that it was rolling. Um, so you could get a lot of momentum. Um, so I think, you know, being bike fit and able to climb is definitely something that I would stress if I had athletes doing that again. And then a run is really pretty flat other than going over the bridge. There's two bridges. Well, one walking bridge you got to go over and then one road bridge over the actual river that we swam in that you have to go over. And those are, those are the only hills on the run. It does feel kind of like a false flat when you're going out to the turnaround. But other than that, it's pretty flat. It's not shaded at all. So that can be a concern if, uh, if it's a warmer day, it wasn't too bad for us. It started to warm up, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, 
So yeah, I was happy with that. So yeah, I mean, I thought the, the course overall was great. They did a fantastic job with everything. Logistic-wise, it was real simple. Even though they had everything kind of spread out, maybe that's what helped with the congestion. There wasn't a lot of congestion. There wasn't a lot of waiting in lines. Um, they had they had check-in inside over at the convention center. Um, and then they had... Um, you know, transition obviously in a separate area. So it was like there's a little extra walking around the day, you know, a couple of days before when you did check in and then when you did bike drop off. But, um, and then same thing with the finish, the finish lines in a different area. So it's like then you got to walk to, if you want to get food, you could walk to the, you know, back to the convention center to get food. And then you got to walk back to transition to get your bike. So there is a lot of like walking around, but at the same time, it helped alleviate a lot of congestion. Even with parking, wasn't an issue in the morning. Plenty of parking. There was no lines. It was, yeah, we got in and out really quickly. So, yeah, it's great. I thought it was a great course, great event. I think you touched upon, both of you did, this uncertainty or unknown about the logistics behind a two-transition course or a new course. And athletes get caught up in that or wrapped up in that. And it doesn't sound like either of you did. You guys have some experience, but, but would you say that they were, the details were provided accurately and clearly so that it would appease the mind so that these are where the morning bags go. This is how the flow of traffic goes. Um, and the communication was, was well, was good. The only, I thought the communication was great other than the morning clothes bags until we went to, the athlete briefing and then it was clarified but it wasn't in the it wasn't in the athlete guide where the morning clothes bags were going to be and there was a lot of chatter about that the clothes bag was going to be at transition and then you had to walk the 1.2 miles with no sweater or no shoes or no whatever and it's like so that was the only clarification that was helpful at the athlete briefing um, that that morning clothes bag was actually dropped at the swim start, um, which made the most sense and which we kind of assume, but um, don't always want to assume based on prior experience. But luckily that was the way it worked out. I would second that. There was an athlete briefing and a lot of information was shared that I wasn't aware of. There was actually a section on the course after the big climb. They had a 25 mile per hour speed limit zone with a mat that you cross at the top of the climb or top of the descent and again at the bottom. Um, and I know some people mustn't have been at that briefing because they were ripping down the hill and they all got DQ'd, whoever, whoever passed me. Um, so I think if it's a new course or one that you haven't done before, go to the briefing. It's important. There, there's stuff that they talk about that may either give you an advantage or just may save you a few extra we'll say like comfort minutes in the morning. I like that. Comfort minutes. Comfort minutes. I like that. Okay. All right. Next question. We're going to go on. All right. Thank you guys. That's awesome. Uh, Massachusetts and happy Valley. So check it out. 70.3s. And congratulations on your world championship qualification, Melissa, which you uh, snagged at um, Eagle man. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Going to Finland. I'm pumped. <laughs> All right. Speaking of pumped. Speaking of pumped. Yeah. What, uh, speaking of pumped. For both of you, what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys really pumped about right now? 
Maybe we already have Melissa's answer. Well, we know what Melissa's answer is. <laughs> it's, it's not just Finland. I have so many awesome experiences happening to me this summer. So this race was an experience. Um, one of my training partners. So there's four of us that do triathlon, like seriously. And three out of four of us were going to Finland. So the three of us have been planning our trip together. And our fourth member yesterday, Steve, who's 73, qualified for Finland. And him, when they announced his, when they announced his qualification, he was not 73 years old. He was like six. He was crouched up (laughs) and then he jumped into the air and ran onto the stage. So I was so pumped for him. And then I just have a lot of trips. So I'm I'm going to see you guys at the end of July, um, then Finland. And then I'm also racing Santa Cruz. So just meeting a lot of awesome people, new experiences, places I haven't been and uh, two more courses of unknown experiences coming my way. I love that. Yeah, you got to um, you got to immerse yourself into that in order to um, how we feel or we believe is to grow. Uh, you're going to have a lot of you're going to have a big growth spurt this year. You thought you had a growth spurt when you were 12 or 13, but uh, you're going to have a big one this year. And it's so great. Just have an open mind and and be at peace with or work to be at peace with with whatever presents itself. That's I think where the gold is and you'll take, you'll take a lot away from this, this season. Um, Daniel, what are you pumped about? I'm really pumped to be racing. So, (laughs) and I'm really pumped about really the next two races, Santa Cruz and Chattanooga two weeks later, just to be in community. So Santa Cruz's Yogi triathlete team race. And we did it last year and it's just, it's so much more fun to do it in community and be a part of like a group of support and like see people out on course. And it's always great to race with my athletes too. It's just one of the biggest joys, I guess, of coaching for me is being able to race with my athletes. So, um, yeah, so Santa Cruz, I'm really excited about to be in community and then Chattanooga's team BPA race for the year so we're gonna have a lot of people in chattanooga for the race so i'm really excited about that to meet new people to be a new race for me race in the community (laughs) Um, i'm embracing it as much as i can so i'm really excited about those two races for the year um mainly just because of the community and i know a lot of times triathlon is considered an individual sport, but having the support in the community around you um, to lean on is just, it, there's just like something really special about it. And it just like lights me up every time we get together with everybody. Mm, agreed. What? Yeah, what? Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you what no, you're, you. Uh, no, you, no, you, what are you pumped about beach? What am I pumped about? <laughs> I'm going to go off. Uh, I'm because there's so many things I feel that are just like bubbling around, but I'm going to say yesterday's experience with one with the ocean, uh, this group swim that has been happening, I don't know, five miles down the coast for a while. We finally have gone to, uh, that was our second time yesterday. And it's exactly what, uh, triathletes need to prepare for open water swimming. It is very similar to what I experienced up in Santa Monica with Tower 26 and their beach swims 
Um, it's, it's so similar. And, uh, and yesterday the water was just so calm. It's definitely warming up. It's like 65, 66. So I'd say half the people were in, uh, just their swimsuits and the water was so calm and, and we swim out to this, uh, what do they call it? The candlestick candlestick. It's just one, it's kind of like a buoy, but it's not, it's like a candlestick, just really thin. And that's the, that's the furthest point. And then two people will get on, uh, surfboards and they will be like the triangle. So you kind of swim around, um, swim around them and they're always somehow making it further. Like they kind of float further and further away. Uh, but yesterday we got to do some circuits. So take the waves into the sand, run around the palm tree, run along the beach, heart rate is elevated and then swim back out to the candlestick or to the, the lifeguard that's on the, um, on the surfboard. And what that does, it's just, it's everything that happens in a race. You, you're, you're calm. You think you got it. You're having fun. Then all of a sudden your heart rate gets super high and you got to duck a wave or, uh, somebody smashes into you or you got to pick up your effort, but you're not quite sure if you're going to have that breath. This is the practice, 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 practice being in an environment that is testing you. It's, it's seeing how you'll react when, when everything is saying, oh, I'm just going to sit this one out or I'm just going to take it a little bit easy. So this, this is a great experience. So yeah, I'm really fired up about it. Plus, you know, two of our podcast guests were there, Sebastian and Isaac. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was really cool. Like, professional, yeah, um, like we have, professional. Yeah. We have these, uh, local pros who are coming to this swim and, you know, they were in front of me yesterday and you do sprints like, they're like, okay, sprints. And they're not long sprints, but like, they just really get you warmed up really well. And I was like, all right, <laughs> Isaac, take me for a ride. And I, I like literally like they said, okay, go. And I saw his feet and then it's amazing to feel how fast a pro swims. Like it was like, you know how fish scatter, like if you drop something in the water, the fish will scatter. Like that's how a pro swims. Like all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, where is he? His feet are completely gone. And I'm like swimming as hard as I can. And I can't, I can maybe see a little bit of a bubble, but so it's all levels. That's what I love about it. Yeah. It brings me back to like the stroke and strides in Boulder where you'd have all levels. And yeah, it's incredible experience, incredible open water ocean experience for triathletes. So, so yeah. that happens every Sunday. I just want to give a shout out to them every Sunday, 7.30 AM down at Moonlight Beach in Encinitas. They also have Tuesday in La Jolla Shores and they also have another one. I can't remember the day up in Redondo Beach, yeah. but it's one with the ocean. Um, and yeah, we're working to get Brian Menino on the podcast now, the swim mechanic. So uh, super cool guy, a long time coming to meet him. So it's great to connect with him. So yesterday. what do you got? Yeah. What am I pumped about? I don't know. I guess I'm kind of pumped about saying yes to the flow of life. You know, I um, started doing retreats. Well, I guess with you back in 2018, started doing some retreats and then that grew with, um, you know, doing retreats with Megan and Valerie. And then that grew into me leading these yoga adventures, which I haven't done yet, but I've got two on the books. And the first one was for the Galapagos Islands. And, um, you know, I had this moment before I launched it where I was just, I could see myself. It was like, I was sitting like on the ledge of this, of life. And I could have swung my feet around and got back on the other side of it and said, well, I'm just not going to do it because that feels safer. And it feels like a lot less work. Or I could, you know, pick, press my hands down and jump off the ledge. And that's what I did. And that yoga adventure um, sold out in less than 
three weeks. And the thing that I love about the yoga adventure that really speaks to me is I just feel like it's me. Like I like playing in the world. I like doing adventurous things. I like racing. I like being competitive. Like the meditation has not washed that off of me. Uh, Yeah. I like being competitive with myself, but that's not a hundred percent true. I like being competitive with others. I really do. And uh, I'm going to own that. And the yoga adventure, I feel like really will speak to an audience of people who maybe are just not ready or just aren't interested right now in like the yoga and the meditation retreats where there's a lot of silence. And although those are delicious too, like I love those just as much. So these yoga adventures are really adventure travel anchored in a daily yoga practice. And I just feel like it's, it's, that is, it's such a great match for me. And so I remember thinking about this, you know, like, gosh, I could just, I could just stay safe and not do this. And, you know, I, I launched it and because I said to my, well, cause I knew I was going to launch it. Like, that's just, I can't hold back right in life. I just can't. And, um, and I remember, I think one of the things that I was thinking was like, you don't know where this is going to lead. Like, you don't know, you don't know the whole story. You just have to take the next step and see what happens. And maybe it's a fail and maybe you lose a bunch of money and maybe, you know, that's how you learn. And maybe that's what you need to learn, but you'll never learn unless you try. So, you know, I jumped off the ledge and that thing sold out so quick that the travel yogi was like, whoa, <laughs> do you want to lead our, we need somebody to take over our Patagonia chili yoga adventure. Will you do it in March? And I was like, oh my God. Like it was like the Galapagos sold out and it was like, okay, I can just kind of wipe my hands and just chill out now. Right? Like I don't have to do anything. I can just have like an easy life. And then this thing comes. And the funny thing is, which I, I haven't shared yet was when I was choosing the location of the first adventure that I wanted to lead with them, I saw the Patagonia one. And I was like, that one's a little scary. I don't think I'm going to do that one. And here it is. (laughs) And so I had to say yes. Like I have to say yes to what life is calling me to. And when I looked at the dates, day three of the yoga adventure is on my birthday. And I just felt like it was the universe giving me a birthday present. And so I had to go for it. And so I'm going for it. And we've got some people signed up right away. And so we'll, we'll see. We, I think we need like, you know, a handful more to make it a go. And, um, but I just, yeah, you got to just say yes to the flow of life. And that's, what's got me pretty pumped right now because life will always call you to more. It will always call you to more. And I think that the life that you live and how that feels is all in how you answer that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, th- I think once you think you have it, you don't. You, d- you don't. <laughs> like once you have it, just know that it's going to call you to the next level. Yeah. There's no rest. There's a bigger jump. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. And, yeah. And that second one's still open. So if anybody wants to go to Patagonia. Yeah. Patagonia, Chile. Sounds pretty cool. It's really awesome. <laughs> it's really awesome. I'm psyched. And if you can't make Patagonia, come to Moonlight Beach and Encinitas and we'll jump in the ocean. All right, coaches, uh, uh, share with me and Jess um, a lesson you learned from a recent experience of adversity and how did you put those teachings into action? Yeah, and I want to say like you don't, I want to purposefully not share the 
experience of adversity. I've been, I've been talking with a lot of athletes about this recently, how we have, we've really moved into this society where we get a little addicted to the drama and we get addicted to like the, like, you know, seeing, I guess I'll just move it into an example. Like if you're driving on the highway and you see an accident, like you're going to, you look like that, like all of a sudden traffic's all backed up and it's because we're all looking, we're all looking. And so you could say like, oh, but it's because I care, but you can care without having a mental image of trauma on your, on your mindset that you are now going to need to work with in your life at some point. So I say, let's not share the story of adversity. I want to share the lesson and the growth. And that doesn't mean that we're not ever going to share adversity again. Of course we are. It's a huge part of the show, but let's talk about a lesson and how, what was it? And, you know, what did you take away from it and how have you put it into action? I think for me, I mean, I had, you know, the trauma last year. So the lesson there really was accepting and being patient with myself and really being kind to myself in the healing process. Um, You know, and that's where community comes, um, is really important and comes into play with, you know, the support of, you know, the communities that I've built around me with Yogi Trathley, with Team BPA, Candy Crew here in San Diego that I train with, family, friends. Um, everybody was so supportive and, you know, wanted to see me heal. And nobody ever put pressure on a timeline of when that had to happen. Um, so I think, you know, first and foremost, the biggest lesson I learned through all this is patience. Um, just being patient with what I can do, being patient with how my body's reacting, how my mind's reacting, um, and focusing on what I can do and focusing on the small wins, I guess. Um, you know, I was just thinking about that this morning when I was in the pool. The pool was the first thing that I got back into after the accident, and it was so painful. And even like putting the snorkel on hurt because I had stitches in my mouth. And so it's like getting in the pool was the victory, even if I only did one lap. And then the next day, getting back in the pool, doing two laps. The next day, getting in the pool and actually being able to put the snorkel in for one lap. It's like the small victories, and I just focused on each day what I can do. Um, So, yeah, I think patience and, um, and I think also when you're going through something like that and you have extra, I mean, normally it's like, I think maybe the mindset training prior to the accident helped because it didn't really get too caught up in like thinking about what I was missing and I was focused on like what I could do. So what I can do in training and then what I can do like outside of training. Um, you know, and I took the, it took the extra time to be able to like 
expand BPA and um, expand the nutrition back into the nutrition. So, you know, almost kind of like Jess was talking about taking a leap of faith and like jumping off the, the cliff. And, you know, we're, we set up our uh, first veg fest that we're going to this year. So it's like doing those things. Um, I probably wouldn't be doing those things if it wasn't for the extra downtime. So, you know, I'm grateful for the experience and going through it and learning patience and I guess always just finding joy in the little things. It's like when things happen, like we don't know the whole story, you know, like we've, we've seen that just with things on the, you know, athletes on the team navigating adversity and it hurts. It's like, Oh God, I don't, there's a part of you that's like, I don't want them to be experiencing this. And, you know, we feel that BJ and I feel that. And then, but we always say like, we got to feel it. It's so important to feel it. Like this isn't about kicking the human to the curb and denying what we're feeling. Like feel that like, oh God, I don't want Daniel to be experiencing this. But then we always come back to like, we don't know the whole story. Like we don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going to come from this. We don't, we don't know the seeds that are going to be planted and they're going to grow and what's going to bloom from this. We just don't know. And I think when we can expand our minds and remember that there is a bigger picture and that we're going to get the details when we're ready for them and they'll trickle in if we just keep moving forward, you know, I think that's where hindsight's twenty twenty, where that phrase comes from because adversity, I think, always leads to, to growth and I recorded a podcast for season four, which hasn't come out yet of the awake athlete. And I talk about how like the vibrant Valley one day I was on a trail and it was like super dry and really, really hot and like, Oh my God, I'm so hot. And I dropped down into this like Valley in between these two, I don't know, Hills. And it was so vibrant and it was so green and there was water running in there and it made no sense because it was like desert up top. And I just, it made me realize that it's like when we're in the valley, that's where the seeds of vibrancy can be planted and where they will begin to grow. Um, Because if you think about it, everything can collect in that valley. And um, when we are in the valleys of life to remember that, that that valley is actually the place where vibrancy begins. And we can't, we can't rise up out of these circumstances unless, unless we're down, unless we're low. You can't rise up unless you're actually your first at the bottom or near the bottom. So in order to, to show our tenacity, our tenaciousness, our relentlessness is, is what you what you've demonstrated, um, Daniel, is is you got to come down to those moments of the opposite of what you've been experiencing, and then it opens up so much. Like there's so much space in life, and you're wonder you're 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 wondering, or at least questioning. At least I do. How would I ever all, get this all done if I kept going the way I was going? How how would it, how would it happen? Um, but we don't know. Have to we don't have to know how because it did happen. It was served up to us exactly as Jess shared. Um, so perfectly for us on a timeline that probably we weren't in alignment with. You know, if we had to script it all, if you had to script it all, Daniel, you probably wouldn't script it the way you did. But that's the way it happened. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think, yeah. I think number one, acceptance is really important. 
Because if you're in that mindset of, you know, this sucks, why me? I don't, I don't see how you dig yourself out. So accepting that, you know, the situation that you're in is so important. And for me, it happened so quickly. And for me to be able to like two weeks later, go to 70.3 world championship, knowing that I was supposed to be racing. Um, if I hadn't accepted what had happened, I don't think I would have gone. And, that experience going and being in that atmosphere was so important part of my healing. Um, so I'm very thankful that I went and that I was able to accept where I was at at that moment. Mm, that's huge. Mm. Melissa, how about you? Um, something that you've learned from some adversity or anything that came up from Daniel's story? I love that Daniel shared that. I had a very similar experience last year. I won't go into the details, but for a long time, I was putting a timeline on me getting to Worlds. Like I had honestly just gotten into the sport a couple of years ago. And like right away, I was like, oh, you know, ego's getting all riled up. Like I'm going to Worlds. Like I got to make this happen. And I think for a long time, I was so driven and overly like pigeonhole vision on the goal that I was like trying to put a square peg into a round hole like over and over. And I just, I wasn't moving forward. Um, and I got sick and I do think it was spiritual. It took me out of the sport for almost eight months. Um, and this is crazy to say, but it was so good for me. Like, I, I feel like during that time, I learned a lot about myself. I learned more about my why. And I really learned about, like, what hard was. Um, it, it sharpened my sword, I'll say. Like, I've now entered back in so grateful for my body and everything it's capable of. Um, and I have just, like, a whole new driving force for my training. Like I, I'm just so excited to train like that I can train. And I know that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Like it led me to you guys. It led me to being able to coach others. Um, I'm a better person, like just in general, since I've been going inward more and I race more confidently, more mentally sound. I think that like just as you had mentioned, Jess, when we go through that stuff, we don't know why we're in it and we want out and we're upset at first and we just, we want to climb ourselves out of the hole, but always we're down in there for a reason that we're not fully aware of. Um, and, you know, they always say like a couple weeks before a race or like a month out, like take that time to like put in your speed work and like sharpen the edges. But I think like sharpening our edges comes from going through hard things and putting in the inside work. Like that's really like where you become a strong mental athlete. Like this sport is so mental. So if we can get through hard times and come out stronger on the other side, that's everything. What's the main tool for you to go through hard things, like to come out the other side of hard things? What's been a tool over these last couple of years? 
I experienced this yesterday. Um, the race was hard. I had a moment during the run where I wanted to quit and I just had this voice in my head that said, just trust me over and over. Trust me and I will get you through. Take it each step at a time. Take it each day at a time. Don't be for fearful. Just trust me. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's that connection. That's the, that's, you're building that, that bond with your inner self, which is the, the inner self knows, always knows, has, has the inside scoop. We just got to keep peeling back the layers that we've put over it in the years to, to get to that inner self, whatever it is. And, and it shows up in our rawest moments. We talked about it on the coaches live on Friday, last Friday, those moments when we just feel so emotional or uh, vulnerable and we begin to cry or begin to tear up or the, it, something bubbles up in those raw moments is when we become more free from all that, we, fr- from that stuff. And the next step as coaches is we want to, this is really important. We feel the need to save our athletes from these experiences because we have experience with the experiences, but we can't do that. We, we, that's not, that's not for us to, to take away from them. Uh, it's a tenant of the yamas and niyamas, right? Yeah, you don't want to steal from their experience, meaning like we can't, we're not here to save anyone and we can't, like we can't do it. But as, as coaches, we're the pointers, mm-hmm. you know, and to see our athletes as capable to get through whatever it is that they're getting through, even if they're choosing to lie face down in that valley and you know, they might be in a place where they think someone's going to come and pick them up, but eventually they're going to realize that the only way out of that valley is themselves. And if we can kind of like surround them and we do this, we do this so much behind the scenes. You know, if one of our athletes is having a a tough time, like the four of us are, are around them, like energetically, I know I've, I hold a lot of them, uh, in my mind's eye for whatever that they're, you know, struggling different athletes that are struggling with things that we, we can just surround them in that and see them in their, in their possibility. And that just gives them an open door to soar to the next level. But we can't go down in that valley and physically pick them up and throw them over our shoulder and get them out because that's actually, uh, you know, in, in the ethical principles of yoga, it's actually harmful you're, you're harming them because you're not, number one, we're not seeing them as capable. Number two, uh, we're stealing from their experience. They need to experience that. So as coaches, we're the pointers and we're the guides to assist them in remembering that they already have the strength and power to step through what life is, is moving through them. Yeah, because when you, get, when you get to that, to talk about Melissa's experience on the run, when you get to that run... It doesn't matter if you in training you did you know eight eight hundreds and you hit your pace. Um, it doesn't matter when you get to the actual race experience. It's you and you. It's it's your mind. It's this battle of who are you today in this moment. What are the thoughts that are trying to keep you safe? What is what is the sensation you feel in the body? There's there's more things at play uh, when you get to that experience. So if you're not training the mind or being able to sift and sort through the thoughts that enter, then you're going to continue to default to what's most comfortable. 
and in in an experience when you race, which doesn't happen that often, to be honest, guys, right? We, we race a handful of times a year. It's going to default to what you practice. And that's why you need to be sharp. You need to be sharp with the mind, as you were talking about, Melissa, sharpening that, that sword um, for those moments, because they're going to be challenging. And once you think you got to figure it out, oh, I've got this run so dialed in, I'm so something's going to, something's going to rise up and it's going to be like, not this time, not this time. How do you handle this? (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things that we do here, um, you know, Yogi Trothley, obviously it's in the name is yoga, uh, really mindful movement, whatever that looks like. We've got mellow moves classes. We've got vinyasa, we've got yoga nidra, whatever it is. Um, and that helps us, you know, we don't, we don't learn selectively. We learn one thing, we learn it, we can apply it to everything in our lives. So mindful movement on the yoga mat relates, you know, will translate to mindful movement at mile 18 of the marathon and an Ironman. So my question to you guys, uh, one of our last things here on this podcast today is, Danielle, I'll start with you. Like how has like the physical practice of yoga, how has the physical practice of yoga helped your own training or your life? I think, I mean, I I remember back to doing yoga for the first time ever prior to ever even hearing about you guys, Yogi Triathlete. And I swore I was never going to do it again because it was so hard. (laughs) Um, And looking back at that moment, what was hard about it was because I was stuck in the ego. I was so stuck in the ego and it was like, oh, I got to hit these these <laughs> yoga poses and I got to like stay in them as long as the instructor says and I got to, you know, look the part and just like the ego was so into it. So, um, and that's not what it's about. It's not about enduring. It's not about, you know, um, so I think, getting into a practice now I can't see any other way. Um, it's not just for the physical, but I think it's more just mentally. It just like puts me in the right mood. Um, it calms me down. I focus on the breath. Um, it obviously Physically wise, it makes us stronger and using all those different muscles that we don't tend to use when we swim, bike, and run. So I think a a practice is really important to be consistent with. So I think definitely it's like helped improve my overall fitness and mindset. Nice. Melissa, how about you? How's, How's time on the mat helped your training and racing? I have two things. I would say the first aspect for me is the idea of leaning into your edges. So with yoga, that would look like, as Daniel had said, having your ego involved and not wanting to sit there any longer or hold a specific pose or connect the breath, um, leaning into those barriers and silencing the mind and kind of like dialing in there. I think the same goes to triathlon. Like as we've been talking about the last 10 K of a 70.3 frankly feels like shit. And usually, um, if you want to lean into your edges, your edges will take you strong to the finish line and you'll finish full of joy. 
Um, so I found a lot of reflections there. And then the second thing is getting rid of stale energy. Um, and again, that applies to racing as well. So in my personal life, like if I get home from work and I have, I call it like the ping, the pinball machine brain where it's too much is firing up there and I need to like calm down, bring my heart rate down and get rid of that unnecessary stimulating energy. I'll just do like some lion's breath, um, some deep breathing and try and like get rid of that, like from, from my gut and out. And I think when I'm racing, especially in my recent experiences, I've been racing with this horrible side stitch on the run, which I'm going to sort out. I'm going to figure that out. But one thing that's really helped me is doing these like deep, full blowout breaths. Um, I'll stop and walk and do that just for like five seconds. And then I can pick the run right back up. And it's because I think I'm getting rid of like whatever's built up inside there that's causing the stitch. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, we, ta- we did it at, in yoga this morning is, um, we did some diaphragmatic breath, but I was talking about how breathing is a muscular action. And something I learned in massage school a long time ago is uh, when working with athletes, like cramping and things like that, especially, uh, you know, side stitches and stuff, harsh exhales, like harsh, like blow out the energy and like squeeze at the bottom. So you're contracting the diaphragm and then it'll relax. And, and typically that will relieve it. So like really strong exhales. All right. We're going to finish up this podcast with gratitude showers. So we're just going to do 30 seconds each. I'll start so you guys kind of know um, how it goes. But basically, we'll do 30 seconds and we're just going to shower. And I have a whole, I have a whole grid here of how it's going to go. Um, who's going to shower who? I'm going to shower Melissa. I'm going to start with a gratitude shower. So for 30 seconds, I'm just, she's just going to receive all the gratitude that I have for her in 30 seconds. So um, I'm going to start on the 15. This is like a swim start. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you chose to follow me on Instagram and then you chose to came to Costa Rica and we got to know each other better and you opened up and I'm so grateful that you said that you knew your next step was going deeper with meditation and I'm so grateful that you responded to my message about coaching for Yogi Triathlete and I'm so grateful in how you show up for your athletes. I'm so grateful for you always being open and honest. I'm going for another 30 seconds. I think a minute. We got to go a minute. I'm so grateful for your fiery personality and your achieving spirit. I'm so grateful for your perseverance. I'm grateful for your smile. I'm so grateful for what you bring to your athletes. I'm so grateful for um, the way that you have educated yourself and now educate the team on herbalism and how that supports performance. I'm grateful for you. Okay. That's so quick. And uh, so we can't do 30 seconds. We got to do a minute. Um, okay. How about 30 seconds to a minute? All right. Do you guys, can you guys see the recording timer? Yeah. Okay, Okay. cool. So, all right. So, all right. Now, Melissa, you're going to shower BJ on the 45. Okay, ready? <laughs> Feel free to go for, yeah, to a minute, up to a minute. 
BJ, I am so grateful to have you as a mentor. I learn so much from you in our weekly calls every week. It's like 45 minutes of more than knowledge. It's it's like a if triathlon could be a religion, we like somehow go all the way. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, I thank you for all of your encouragement. I I learned so much from you, but you also give me such encouragement in what I'm already doing. And I always feel so appreciated. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Like I'm grateful for being empowered by you always. Um yeah, that's there it is. <laughs> All right. PJ, yeah, you're gonna shower Daniel. Oh boy, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll start. It's gratitude, not not a roasting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the clarification, Coach T. All right, I'll start at the top. Start at the top. All right, like a pool clock. Oh, Daniel, so um, I'm so grateful uh, that we connected, that we've, uh, our paths crossed down there at at Super Frog uh, that day, and, and that you took the leap to come out and cycle with me and begin to do these crazy big loops with lots of elevation. Um, I'm grateful that you're open to a lot of things that your mind may be telling you is a little bit out of the box. I appreciate you for constantly, constantly standing up to your doubts and fears. I'm grateful that you trust my leadership. Um, And in the words that I share quite bluntly with you, um, I'm grateful that you are who you are. You're relentlessly, confidently quiet and passionate about saving the world of animals and humans and bringing community together and never, ever, ever dim your, dim your light. Beautiful. All right. All right. So then now you, or no? No, Jess. Daniel <laughs> does Jess. <laughs> you share gratitude for Jess on the 15th on the 15th yes I'm grateful for that day that we met down at Super Frog um, I'm grateful for your smile I'm grateful for your selflessness I'm grateful for the community you've built with Yogi Triathlete I'm grateful for all of your your knowledge with mindset yoga I'm grateful that you're always open and honest, I'm grateful that you're always willing to help anybody on the team, actually anybody in the world. I'm grateful that you're following your dreams and your passions. I'm grateful that you invited me to Maui last year for an incredible experience. I'm grateful that you asked me to be a part of Yogi Triathlete. I'm grateful for um, seeing you back doing triathlon. (laughs) Thank you. You guys, that was beautiful. Gratitude shower. So anybody listening, if, um, if you, you know, employ family dinner or going out with your partner or friends or spouse or whatever, you know, going out for dinner or having coffee with someone, a 30 second to one minute gratitude shower just lifts the energy and it just feels so good. It also teaches us to receive. 
So I want to just send out gratitude to this audience uh, for helping us keep this podcast commercial-free. It's so important to us. We feel like this uninterrupted, undistracted stream of information is just such a gift to the world, and we couldn't do it without the patrons. Uh, We really couldn't. So if that's something that you've been thinking about, we will be grateful to receive your patronage for as little as $5 a month. It really helps. Um, you know, we've had a, we actually had a pretty big dip in, um, Patreon and, and, uh, and if it keeps going in that direction, I may have to, to shift gears with it, but we're just putting out a call, um, in gratitude, thanking everybody who shows up for, this podcast for Patreon, all of our guests, everybody who tunes in every week, like we couldn't be more grateful. And there's absolutely zero way we could do it without all of you, the coaches, the listeners, the patrons, me and BJ, John, our producer, incredibly grateful for him for sticking with us and helping us with this podcast every single week. Grateful for Linda who books the guests and puts things together. It's just so grateful for this community at large. It is just a a big bubble of gratitude. So thank you guys for being here today, uh, for putting this show on for the world. We really appreciate you. Thank you guys. Always happy to be on here. 